Well, please, uh, you guys do me a favor. Matt Herndon right here is uh, our new worship leader, and he'll be with us on Sunday. So if you guys welcome him. There you go, Matto. And uh, we like our old school guy, Brady. The neat connection here is Brady actually was the introduction to Matt. So uh, we love Brady. We keep bringing him back as long as he'll keep coming back. And as long as he's single, we'll keep bringing him back. Help him out as much as we can. I'm sorry, Brady, that was accidental. Hey, if you want some of Brady's material, he's up in Nashville. He's writing. He's producing. He's doing a lot of work. He travels all over the country. Uh, we support him from our church as much as we can. And uh, you can support him, too. By He's got a CD that will be over in the coffee area somewhere over there. He'll meet you over there and tell you about what, is, what he's doing. You can sign up on his uh, on his email and get his stuff um, from him and all that kind of thing. We'd love to, to get you, in, you know, close to him. Um, Matt, as long as Matt's going to be here, we'll keep having a really good relationship. We'll probably have him Brady in every once in a while to hang out with us. So uh, we love that relationship. It's fun to have, to see how the Lord works that out. And Brady uh, just said, hey, Jonathan, I think there's this guy that I want you to, to meet. And uh, so we love, we love that connection. Thank you, Brady, for bringing Matt to us. And we're going to be blessed and excited with that. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 2. Uh, let me start off by just saying that um, w- when I look at, at kind of where we're going as a church and what we're looking at it, it also has a lot to do with trying to understand exactly where our culture is. And I think our culture is is really changing. I mean, it changes every day. I mean, yesterday, if you had a, uh, yesterday, if you had a Samsung mobile device, you might want to rethink what you're going to be doing in the future because they just won an incredible, they lost an incredible lawsuit against Apple. So all of you who love doing that with your Samsung, sorry, tostada, you might all think about that if you don't know about, see how things change so quickly all over just how you touch a little Android thing and the whole Google, it's, I'm telling you, you just, it changes quick. Why does that have anything to do with your society and what you and I are going through because of this? I don't think there's a greater time in, in history, I don't know about American history, but particularly in history across the world, where we really see um, that God is moving and he is doing things. But it's interesting to me that we always hear it about God and what he's doing in other places. It's never something we hear about here in America and what's he doing here and what, what's going on here and what are we hearing about God here. It's always, well, this is going on in China. This is going on in South America right now. Man, in Africa, this is going on. Even over in um, some of the old Eastern Bloc countries about revival and awakenings happening. And if you study those things, you always find a couple of common denominators. One is those things always transpired and happened through people praying. So there was people that were praying about God doing something. And then the second thing that always was a part of that is the mobility of those awakenings or those revivals always took place, interesting enough, with an age group. And that age group happens to be the same age group that our church desires to embrace and love and care for, which is the college age. Now, there's a lot of practical reasons why that happens, I think, because I think there's uh, things like you guys as college students are still idealistic, you know, I mean, it's almost like, hey, let's give you some water pistols and let's all charge hell. Yes, let's go. You, you dream, you still have it. You don't have a lot. Well, I say this kind of tongue in cheek. You, you don't have a lot of debt. You don't have husband and wife you have to think of. You don't have the responsibility of a family. You're going like, let's go. Let's go do this. Let me take a year and go do this in Africa. Let me take a year and go do this. Let me go give myself to this cause or that cause. And we're very cause oriented. In fact, you guys as the millennials are probably the most cause-oriented thing we've ever seen ever in America. 
if it's a cause, you're ready to take it up and to do it and to carry it out. And you have the ability as well as the technology to do those things. You can change your world. And it gives us hope when we think about what we need to be as a church. So this morning, what I really want to speak about is us as a church culture and put ourselves up against the scripture. And I want to do it in two ways. One, we're going to look at what we are as a church. So we're going to see a blueprint of the church in the New Testament uh, in the book of Acts and see how we stack up at the church at Arkansas against that. And then we're going to take it a step farther and talk about ourselves. What is, if you look at the title of your worship, what is a true disciple of Christ? Because a true disciple of Christ is only going to be what the church is made up of. And that's what we have to look at, and that's what we have to see. In uh, George Barna's book on discipleship, he said this, Honestly, our society, its only hope of moral restoration is the church to fulfill its calling from God. He called it into being, God called it into being, the church, into being so that the world would be impacted by the thoughts, words, and deeds of his followers. That's what God intended for the New Testament church. That's what God intends for this church. That's what God intends for every church. You see the moral decay and you say, well, Jonathan, you know, it's not so bad. Yes, it, yes, it is. I met with a young guy this week that got a seminary degree in counseling. He's moved back to the area. He's going to be setting up shop to do counseling. And, and the area that he's going to be doing most of the work in is where he got his concentration. And that was on men and their sexual problems. And I asked him, I said, well, when do most men get, get kind of caught in or, or, or they find out about pornography and what's that look like today and, how, and how, how's that affecting us? He goes, well, you could probably tell me just as much because of how many men come and meet with you or Greg or Alan and they have a problem with it. And we could attest to that in the church. And then I said, well, what kind of age do, do, do they get exposed to that? Well, you know, and girls, I'm just bear with me for a minute because I'm, I'm sitting with another guy and talking and talking about an issue that's happening with men who are the people that you're supposed to be dating or marrying, being with one day. And he said the average age that it happens that they get exposed to pornography right now is 11 years old. Hello? My son's 11. Just started middle school over here at McNair. 11 years old. That's the average age of a kid that's a, that's a boy getting exposed to pornography, which is going to twist and turn and distort God's view and idea of what a husband and wife should be. And the moral decay of what we see in America, the moral decay of what you're exposed to on campus and what's okay and what's not okay and what we tolerate, or if you're a Christian, what you say something about and then you're going to get blasted if you said something about it. We're in a place where we need God and we need what he says and we need what he thinks and we need to understand what he desires for our lives and for the church and how to make a difference in the culture. Because what's happened, you guys, is the culture has had more impact on the church than the church having impact on the culture. And it's always going to have a little bit of distortion because there's always going to be more of the world than there is of the church but when you talk about how we have impact and how we have effect in the culture, then it should be a difference maker. It should be something different. We should be different. There should be different, a difference in the way that you and I, and I'm not talking about look, dress, 
I'm talking about there's, there, there should be a difference in the way our lives are and the way that we, that, that we behave and the way that we do things than the way the world is. And if there isn't, then we need to check ourselves to see if we really are a disciple of Christ. And that's what we'll talk to and address in just a minute. Barna also said this. He said there's, there's a couple things that we need to recognize about the church today and what we should be and how should we, we should do this. So if you've got your notes, you can take these. as three of them. They're really easy. And then I'm going to give you a bunch of other stuff before that disciple thing. I mean, after that disciple thing. So the first thing is this. We must rely on God. We must rely on God. This is a battle that we cannot win in our own strength and abilities. We must Lean heavily on his word, his power, and his guidance. There isn't any kind of strategic thing that we can do. There isn't kind of plan. There isn't some sort of way that we can all get it together and go like, oh, let's, let's do it this way or that way. We need to hear from God on how to address how we have an effect in the culture. College students, you, you guys, uh, it's going to be subtle, and then it'll be right in front of you in every way possible. But, but everything that God is allowing for you to happen in your life is for a reason. But understand this, you better be prepared for it. It's going to happen. It's going to be subtle sometimes. It's going to be right in front of your face. But I promise you, that you are going to be stretched and tested and everything about your faith in Christianity is going to be pushed to every kind of limit while you're in college. It's going to happen in friendship. It's going to happen from a professor. It's going to happen uh, from, from everything from integrity <laughs> to a test that might be passed around to who you might be spending time with and what you might be doing. It's going to be tested. So what is your blueprint? What are you going to hold yourself against? And, and the Bible tells us that we need to, to, to use the word and God and his power and his guidance to lean on. The second thing he says about the church is for the church to be the church that God envisioned it to be, right? Then we must commit ourselves to personal growth. Here's the reason that's important in what, in what we said a while ago by relying on God and, and, and the word of God. Because if you don't spend time in the word of God, you don't spend time with God on a daily basis, then here's what happens. You're getting bombarded every day by the world. You're getting the pressures of the world. You're getting the standard. You're getting the, the academics. You're getting everything from the world that says this is what you have to do and this is what equals success. And then if you look at the scripture, what you're going to find is most of the time that is not always going to line up correctly. That has nothing to do with me slamming academics. It has nothing to do with me slamming people saying, hey, here's how you're supposed to climb the ladder. It has it to do with this, that the view of what success is from the world is the world's view and the biblical view is a very different view. It doesn't mean quit school and everybody go to Africa and we're all going to serve at the orphanage. Okay. God needs good bankers. God needs good lawyers. God needs good, even probably good used car salesmen. God needs people in everyday life. God needs good school teachers. He needs coaches. They have impact on some of my coaches had an impact on me in the wrong way. Some of my coaches had an impact on me in the right way because of the way their life was, the way that they taught, the way that they lived, who they were, Right? So God needs us all. We're all part of this body, but there's either the world's way or there's God's way. Third thing he says is that we must also recognize that the church is not a private individual endowment, but a corporate adventure. In other words, we must be willing to minimize ourselves for the good of the whole. 
using our abilities and resources in tandem with those of other believers for the benefit of the church at large. What does that mean? That means this. There's no campus ministry that's better than another. There's no church that's better than another. We are the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ starts working together as the body of Christ, we'll see God do something incredible. Because the Bible, the, the Bible actually tells us that there is diversity and there's unity. And we have unity in Christ. But we're diverse because all of us aren't a nose and a foot and a toe and a hand and all the. We're diverse. We have different gifts. Guess what? Some of you in here are anal about things. Sorry. Hello? Y'all are very specific. Some of us are over here and we kind of float around in life, loving it. Awesome. Guess what? God has those two extremes to help each other and to be part of the body to do things for his kingdom and his glory if you learn to work together. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be different in this church. We can still be diverse and have unity because it's built around Christ, not our differences. He tells us those three things are what we need. Well, how does that happen? Well, we get a blueprint from the scripture, okay? So let's turn to Acts. It's going to be chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Uh, It'll be on the screens in case you don't have a Bible with you. Here we go. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals in great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So the blueprint, the plumb line, whatever you want to call it for us as a church is that scripture. How are we doing as a church? If we use that as our kind of way that that we're looking at ourselves, how are we doing as a church? Well, first of all, to look at the church, then we have to look at ourselves as an individual. We have to see what that really means to us as an individual. So to look at the church... Let me quote Barna again and give you some, some of his stuff that he says about this. This is interesting. You cannot have that kind of experience as far as a church unless you are fully devoted to the cause. The early disciples were sold out to Jesus and his plan. The church carrying on his teachings through their lives and communicating to others through their words and through their deeds. The early church was not about specialists employing foolproof techniques. It was about sinners receiving grace, committing to change, and living, I love this part, living in concert with the wisdom imparted by their faith resources, the word of God, the lives of fellow believers, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're like, okay, there he went. He touched on the Holy Spirit thing, spooky. Listen. God in his creation and how he worked it out, there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit part that was just mentioned is a major part of what helps guide us and shows us and gives us understanding and clarity as we're moving through what God has for us on a daily basis. And so when we decide not to spend time with God, even on a daily basis, then we have more of the world's influence than we have God's influence in our life. Because set apart, listen, set apart, right? We're supposed to be set apart. But if we don't spend time with God, we will drift 
naturally drift back to what we were. That's not what God wants. That's not what he intended. And we can play the blame game this morning and and say it was Adam and Eve's fault. That's great. It was, but we still have to take responsibility according to scripture. And if we do not spend time with the Lord, we're going to drift towards that old sin nature. And that old sin nature is going to think towards the things of the world and like the things of the world and enjoy the things of the world and want to be like the world instead of being what God says we're to be. So he's telling us this is what the church is, but to be the church, you and I have to be fully devoted. I mean, we have to be like the disciples, right? We have to be fully devoted like them. Now think about this for a minute. Isn't it interesting that while Jesus was going to the cross and all that was going on like that, I mean, the guys were kind of scattering a little bit. Nobody really spoke up, hey, we're, we're with him. But isn't it interesting after the cross and then you see the resurrection that these same group of guys who were ordinary people that were mess-ups, by the way, right, just like us, these same guys were used of God to change a world. And it still continues to this day because of their devotedness to God. Look, I, because I'm the pastor of the church, I get to know a lot of you in a, in a real personal way. And I'm telling you guys, being a disciple of Christ is messy. You, you guys are messed up. I, I am too. In, in my own family. I didn't even know it till I got older. When I was younger, everybody, you know, go to Christmas, yeehaw, we're all having fun. When I got older, I found out that there's, there's an uncle in my family that, that we didn't get to spend time around alone because Uncle Freddie was not of the same liking to the same gender that we were. I didn't know that. My mom and dad weren't mean about it. We still got to hang out with Uncle Freddie at Christmas, but we didn't go anywhere alone. Thought that was kind of weird until I got older and everybody said, hey, Uncle Freddie kind of leans a different way. What? Didn't know it. Wasn't mad at him. Didn't treat him bad. We loved him. We still have a relationship with him to this day. Still have talks about it. On the other side of the family, find out that my uncle actually really enjoyed spending a lot of time with some of the cousins that were all girls and took advantage of that. That's what's in my family. And I'm the preacher. And I came from a preacher's home, right? We got it together. That's what's in my past. And because of sin and what we see with sin and some of the things that are supposed to be passed down, on my dad's side, my grandpa, that I didn't know very well, my grandpa was an alcoholic, an abuser, abused my my grandma, a gambler, and he cheated on her all the time. And then they finally got divorced. So statistically... Again, according to what the world says, what's supposed to happen in my family? What's supposed to be down the line with me and my brothers and my dad? That's the path that was headed until one day when my dad was 18. He said, God, I don't want to be like that. By the way, he was headed down the path. I don't want to be like that. And he accepted Christ into his life. And he changed my heritage and our heritage 
for our family. But sin, you guys, sin is prominent because it's our first nature. It is what we were born into and what we lean to and what we'll go to because we don't know anything different. And if this morning you're not having victory over that and you're not living like that and you're not seeing the joy of God in your life, then there's a reason for that because it has bondage in your life and it's got control of you. So he tells us that we have to be devoted. Here's how we're devoted. You got this in your, uh, in your notes. We're going to go through these pretty quick. Robert Lewis says, this is what discipleship is. Discipleship is giving your life and the truth of, of Christ in a, into a person until they get it. Giving your life and the truth of Christ into a person until they get it. That's what discipleship is. Now let's see what a disciple is. So here we have the New Testament church in Acts 2 that says, here's our plumb line. Here's the church at Arkansas. How are we as a church? Are we doing what that says in the book of Acts? Now let's look at what a disciple is and and how we kind of line ourselves up against this. First of all is D. A disciple is one that is disciplined in a daily devotional with life. Hey, Jonathan, I do that daily devotional. It's, um, it's by what I call the ceramic God over there. And anytime I'm in there, I'll pick it up and I'll read my devotion for the day. That's the toilet, by the way, in case y'all miss it. Right? There's my devotional. Or, hey, I, you know, I read my devotional uh, every day before I get out at work. I open up something. Or today, we could, I mean, I've got one that I read every day off, off of my iPhone. Boom. There's my devotional for the day. Lord, I just spent time with you. It was about seven and eight minutes. And now I'm ready to go fight the world. And that's my time with the Lord. Check. Right? Spending our time with the Lord every day. Be disciplined that. I, involved in a small group. Disciples are not lone rangers. They are involved in the life of a group. Listen, why is that important? I know this. It's important because we need each other. We need each other. So we have to be finding ourselves to a small group. Well, Jonathan, what does that mean? Hey, you know what? The small group can be different. It doesn't have to look like, hey, this one's a young couples. This one's an older, this one's this age group. This is a young professor. Listen, it can be a men's group and it's a small group. It can be two or three guys. It can be two or three women. It can be some of you college guys taking on some high school guys and, and, and pouring in their life. It can be different, but we need each other. The Bible tells us we need each other. Uh, S, spirit-filled. The disciple knows what it is to live out the spirit-filled life on a day-to-day basis. You're going like, okay, you're going in that spirit thing again. Here's the deal. That is our guide. God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us on a daily basis in our walk with him to guide us and to speak to us through our heart. And if you go like, Jonathan, I just don't know a lot about that. Well, then that's why we're here as the church is to help you understand. Hey, what's the Holy Spirit? What's Jesus? What, what place does that play in my life? Where, where, where does that work? How does that work? And then see that you're really concerned about others. And this, this is, guys, this is difficult. The, the me-centeredness has, has broken a true disciple of Christ because we can have people actually sitting in the same church and they don't even like each other. How can we care for others when we don't even like each other? I, 
that you're involved in a ministry in an area of your giftedness. Find out what, what you're gifted in and then, and then let the Lord use you. Remember what I said a while ago about here's the floater guy over here just happy in life. That would be me. Here's the anal person over here that's kind of, you know, everything's got its place in a box and a compartment and here's how we do it. And by the way, if we get outside of that, somebody's going to get messed over because that we're not in the box. God needs both of those people to carry out his plans to bring glory to his name because we need these people over here and we need these people over here to help each other and to do things. It's the body coming together. P, prayerful, always. Hey, this, this is probably going to convict all of us. Hey, what, how do you pray? You know, are we all Santa Claus prayers? Y'all know what that means, Santa Claus prayer? Lord, I need this, 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 this. This is what I like, 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 like. Right? Lord, I need this. Are we really praying? That's one of the, one of the values of our church is that we want to be a praying church. L is a learner. The Greek word for disciple means learner or student. A disciple is pursuing the goal of personal godliness, of trying to be and desiring more of Christ and his characteristics and what he is and who he is. And that that, that response to him would, would respond in the way that we respond to our family or at work or integrity or, or those things that we would see the characteristics of God and that would be part of who we become. That it would be more of him and less of me. Because if you get more of me, it's not pretty. And there's stuff that's twisted and wrong and ugly. But if you see Christ and what he has for you and for me, then we're on the right path of allowing for others in the way that we respond, in the way that we react to see Jesus in us. And the E is that, Lord help us on this one, that we should enjoy God. There's nothing that, that makes me more sick than us coming to church and it's like God's chosen frozen sitting around. Hey, you know what? Hey, this, particularly this group, you, you guys are pretty good. You know, every once in a while you'll see a hand over here on a worship song kind of doing Hey, could we enjoy worshiping God? And I'm not saying that you got to lay down on the ground and, Lord, I'm not worthy. Some of you need to because you're not, Okay. <laughs> But I'm saying that we, we, we can express ourselves with the love of God and what's going on inside of us. And, and for some reason, it's like, hey, let's just really sit here and just, you know, me. When the expression, by the way, if you've got to express yourself and you're worried about whatever the people think, just go to the back. It's okay. Do it in the back. It might trickle all the way up front one day. The point is, when we see this, that, that, that we should enjoy God, you guys, I, I, I don't know if, if people outside the church looked at us as church people and saw us out in, in the normal places, if they would want to be Christians either by the way that we look and the way we act and the way we treat each other. Right? It's like, really? That guy, that guy doesn't even look like he's having fun. On any of these things that we just talked about, being a disciple, if you don't understand one or, or you have a question about one of those, then, then here's what I want to invite you to do is I want you to explore what God is telling you this morning. Explore, hey, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. Hey, I don't, I'm not disciplined enough to spend time with the Lord like you're talking about. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't ever heard that or I, I, I've, not, I've not got to that place where I really spend time with him. Any of those things that would say, this is what a disciple is, one that wants to learn or has a hunger for the Lord. Hey, if it's not, if it's not in you, 
then my desire this morning is explore that and see what God is trying to tell you and what's going on in your life that, that maybe you can see what God has for you because it's an incredible journey that he has for us. How does that look like anything for us as a church? Here's the two things. We see what a disciple of Christ is and then we see what the church is supposed to be and how we stack up ourselves as a disciple of Christ this morning and how we stack up as a church. Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear Greg and I and Alan uh, preach and teach through what that really means practically for our church. If you look at our church and you say, well, what, what, what's kind of our church? Well, our tagline is, hey, we're committed to the next generation. You say, well, what does that mean, Jonathan? It means this. It, it means this. You know what? I love spending time with my son, Jay, and he's our oldest, my firstborn, and, and I love trying to pour into him. I, I like trying to be around him, so I try to be a coach, or I try to help him with this, try to help him with that. But there's times that I'm still his dad, still dad. And he rolls his eyes at me and looks at me like, dork. I mean, I'm just, that's my own self-conscious part of that. But I'm, he just, I'm just going like, okay, I remember, right? But to know that behind these doors, right back in the back, all the sixth and seventh graders go into a place called the huddle. And back there are some of our college students who are devoted to being a disciple. And they're back there in the back room teaching and showing my son what it's like to be a follower of Christ. Helps undergird and helps everything that I do as a parent. And our church's job, by the way, is not to be the parent. And our church isn't to raise your kids and the youth group and the children. Our church is here to resource to you and to help you understand that we want to undergird what your responsibility is as a parent to teach your children what it is like to be a devoted disciple of Christ, to follow him in that way. That's what we're here to do. So how does that work out practically? We, we think that, that the next generation is, is important to this nation and to the world and that we can pour into whatever age that is, wherever we fit and whatever your giftedness is. But the way that we look at that is our mission is this. Our mission is the University of Arkansas campus in Fayetteville. I'm not interested in going up to Rogers and, and having a bunch of people from Rogers come down to our church. You know why? I don't hang out with them. I hang out with you guys. I rub shoulders with you at the Walmart, at El Sol, at, at, you know, at, at the places in town, at the ball field. I hang out with you and you hang out with me, but this is where we are. If they come down here, I'm not going to turn them, turn them away. But I'm telling you that if we were a church that has an impact on the campus and in Fayetteville, that'll be as much as we can say grace over. In a survey taken of Fayetteville, up and down the corridor, Fayetteville, Springdale, Bentonville, Rogers, all those, Bella Vista. In a survey that was taken in Fayetteville, over half the people in Fayetteville said that they weren't Christians. It is the exact reason why Cross Church decided that they were going to put a church down here in Fayetteville. Because that many people said, in a survey, we're not Christians. Up the corridor, it wasn't that kind of statistic. If we just reach the campus and reach Fayetteville by being truly devoted to Christ, we'll be doing an incredible thing in this community. Our core values are taken right from the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Bible, prayer, relationships, authenticity, relevance, and generosity. Right there. That's what we want to be. 
And the way that you're going to hear us talk about that as a church is that you can be this way. You can connect with us, you can grow with us, you can serve with us, and you can multiply with us. And that's the way that you become involved in our church so that you can grow as a disciple of Christ so that you and I can in turn go and reach other people by truly being devoted. And if we do that as individuals, that's going to affect this church and how we look as the New Testament church. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning, our desire is not to motivate. Our desire is not to manipulate. Our desire is not to, Lord, to uh, encourage people to be something they're not. Our desire is to hold up your word of God and who you are and to hold up the standard of what a disciple is and ask you, Lord, do we line up correctly? Is there anything in our lives that are not lining up in a way that would make us truly devoted disciples of you? Lord, we know as a church that we can do more. We know that the actions of our life in our family and the actions of our life as a church reflect the values that are in our life. Lord, this morning, what are the values that are in our life? Is it money? Is it our job? Is it football? Is it a relationship? Lord, whatever that action is, it's a reflection of the value that we have. Lord, may you speak to us. May during this, Lord, during this worship of, of just a song, may we, Lord, create a heart that would be, Lord, open to what you, well, what you want for us, what you have for us, what your desire is for us. And may we respond to that accordingly.